When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi everyone, welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. My name is Ton Dobbe and I'm the founder of Value Inspiration and the author of The Remarkable Effect. I'm creating a tribe of tech entrepreneurs that are on a mission to do something big and meaningful. I invite you to join the tribe as well, especially if you want to create change that matters and put your software business on momentum that you're proud of. The goal that I have with this podcast is twofold. Firstly, to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. And secondly, share experiences from tech entrepreneurs like you about what is required to create a remarkable software business and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. The guest of our podcast today is Dennis Kelly, CEO of Postalytics. We started having some brands come to us and say, hey, you know, I just invested in Salesforce. You guys are living in this kind of hybrid between digital and direct. Can you help us deploy direct mail more efficiently, more quickly, as a part of our Salesforce, as a part of our HubSpot? And it took a few of those conversations for us to realize, you know what? There's a bigger opportunity out here yeah. to take some of this measurement and the analytic work that we've done and to solve a problem that is, you know, far more pervasive and has a much bigger scope. And so we really, it, that was happening in 2015 and 16, and we spent about a year just heads down building Postalytics. And now Postalytics is our primary focus. This is Dennis. He's a serial entrepreneur. He started off as a sales guy, spending time building products and running data centers. Late 90s, he co-founded AnyDay.com, which was sold to Palm in 2000. And this immersed him into the world of wireless. After leaving Palm, he co-founded AdJoin to tackle some challenging web service management problems. He sold his company to Computer Associates to then become the CEO of Adesso Systems, an enterprise mobility software company. In 2006, he became the co-owner of Wireless City, a chain of 37 Verizon wireless stores. He sold this company to CoWireless in October 2011. And from there, he switched his focus to researching startup ideas, angel investing, and helping local startups with strategy and advice. This led him to become the CEO of BoingNet, a software platform helping direct mailers generate personalized multi-channel campaigns across mail, web, and email channels. And this is where he saw a big disconnect in the market between direct and digital marketing. And that sparked the idea behind Postalytics, of which he's now the CEO. As digital marketing channels get more crowded and marketers are all using the same playbook, they're increasingly looking for new ways to put their messages directly into the hands of their audiences. And that's why they're giving direct mail another look. The problem is that the direct mail industry hasn't kept up with changes in technology. It feels very 1990s. It's slow, costly, disconnected from the marketing technology stack and impossible to track. And that's what Postalytics solves. 
And this inspired me, and hence I invited Dennis to my podcast. We explore the opportunity for value creation by blending the online with the offline marketing world, and how this can create a one plus one equals three concept because you're combining unique strength into one. We also address the lessons Dennis learned to create growth and momentum in B2B technology and what it takes to build a great software business that customers just keep talking about. By listening to this podcast, you will learn four things. Firstly, by limiting your focus on a highly specific audience is essential to maximize buzz and fuel growth and momentum of your software business. Secondly, the positive things that happen when you decide sales is actually a part of your onboarding process. Thirdly, by killing something early is often the best move. But what are the early signs you have to be highly sensitive to? And fourthly, why the goal of a startup should be to create a great business instead of focusing on a great exit. Hi Dennis, thank you for making the time available today and yeah, be a guest on my, on my podcast. Well, thank you very much. I'm really excited to speak with you today and share what we've learned here at Postalytics. Yeah, well, I mean, I got I got you the introduction through Akil Akil Jabber, who was recently on my podcast, part of Horizon Investment, and he uh, he spoke highly about you. And what I've seen, it's like an interesting thing. But it's almost like the world turning around again. The digital and the physical world start to blend again. At least that's what I got from it from your website simply to get more attention, which is like, that, that triggered me. And that's why I wanted to speak to you. But before we start, you're the CEO of the company. If you would have to describe yourself in, in just a couple of words, two or three words, what characterizes you as an entrepreneur? I'm a person who likes to get active very early in the creation of new businesses. And this is my sixth startup that I've been involved in. And I've been very fortunate along the way and, and worked with some great people and have, you know, had some success. And, you know, what I've learned about myself along the way is that I'm happiest when I can be very hands-on while at the same time trying to think strategically and to think of ways that a very, very small business can scale and become a organization that can fulfill a, a broad vision. Nice. Well, I mean, talking about that, that's a nice bridge, the broad vision. Your company is called Postalytics. You started that in September 17. So it's now well, well on its way. It's actually the same age as my company. What's the big idea behind it? Or in your words, what's the vision behind it? Sure. So the big idea here is that direct mail is a very large marketing channel. In the US, there's about a $45 billion annual spend on direct mail marketing. And the vast majority of that spend is being executed in a process that really hasn't evolved since the 1990s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so it's almost become this kind of gigantic thing that's sitting off on the side of the revolution that has occurred in marketing technology. And it's a very effective form of advertising. It's a preferred form of advertising on the part of many consumers. And we thought, you know, rather than just let this thing sort of 
continue to slowly die a long, painful death over many decades, maybe there's a way that we can introduce this into the digital marketing world. And so we built Postalytics to solve three primary problems with direct mail marketing. First is speed of production. And, And so the typical direct mail marketing campaign is executed over a period of six to eight weeks and it involves a tremendous amount of manual and semi-manual efforts between multiple parties, oftentimes connected via email workflows or even FTP. And so, so the underlying workflow that enables marketers to generate direct mail campaigns hasn't really changed. And so we thought, well, what if we could compress that and, and make the creation of direct mail marketing is simple and as easy as email marketing. And so that's number one. Number two is the analysis and reporting of what happens when a direct mail campaign is sent. And, you know, for those that are, have been doing direct mail for a very long time and they're part of the legacy direct mail world, you know, they're able to provide very large companies with analysis of what happened two to three months after a campaign has occurred. Yeah. But for the vast majority of marketers who are now digitally oriented or email oriented, they're accustomed to seeing real time information about what is happening in their campaigns. (laughs) And so there are actually some little known tools that, are available out there that you can pull together to allow marketers to really understand what happens after you send, right? And so reporting and analytics is number two. Yep. Number three is integration with the digital marketing stack. And so rather than this big campaign that requires lots of data, that actually generates lots of data being completely disconnected why not tie direct mail into the core CRM marketing automation and CDP platforms that are really the heart of all modern marketing? Yep. And so those are the three things that are the founding principles behind Postalytics. Yeah, three massive problems to solve, I would say. And indeed, if you would, you wouldn't have done anything. I think it would have slowly died. I mean, I get some of it these days, but not in the volume that I've received in the past. But the funny thing is also, and that's also what I see from your new website, it's preferred maybe even more than, than now these days because it sort of goes around, around the noise, all the noise on the internet, and now suddenly you get something physical in your hands. At least it sticks, it sticks out. So it's, 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 it's true. And, and, and the notion of trust yeah. is a very, very important thing in marketing. Yeah. And when you are holding something tangible in your hands and you can decide what to do with it, then the brand that you are interacting with is dealing with you in a way that you understand. And so the idea of, of tracking and you know, third-party data and all the things that are kind of floating out there in the mind of the consumer about what is happening digitally, none of that is really in the mind of a consumer looking at an offer on a sheet of paper. 
That's true. Yeah. Yeah, you get the attention span that's way bigger than the, the, the typical email that is just like delete when you see the title. So what is the opportunity if you get this right? Once people start to see the effect of being able to blend this with their digital marketing process, what happens? What, is, what do you see, for example, with your customers before and after? Yeah, so, so the customers that are deploying Postalytics are typically using Postalytics in combination with other digital marketing channels most often is email. So, you know, email marketing is really very similar to direct mail marketing, except that, you know, direct mail uses printers rather than email servers to distribute messages. And so what we're seeing is a lot of email marketers saying, hey, my open rates are declining. My click rates are declining over time. What can we do to re-engage with these people? And to find a way to communicate with them, maybe if they've gone quiet, right? And they, they haven't opened several emails in a row, or if they have opted out of email. And, you know, a lot of times marketers come to the realization that when a subscriber unsubscribes from email, that doesn't necessarily mean that they want to stop hearing from the brand. True. It just means that perhaps their email is overwhelming, and they can't, they can't deal with more messages in this particular channel. And so, so by using Postalytics to automatically engage when you set up, say, a workflow in an automation tool to say, all right, you know, if Sam hasn't responded to five emails in a row, drop Sam into a five-touch direct mail campaign that will be sent out over the next eight weeks. When... Our customers are using Postalytics to complement their digital efforts. They're seeing great, great responses. And so, for example, we've got a customer who has deployed Postalytics as a part of their HubSpot solution. And they are using Postalytics to target people who have purchased from them in the past, but haven't over a period of six months. Yeah and who are not responding to email. And, and so it's, a, it's an existing win-back effort that was set up within HubSpot. And when the, after they've deployed Postalytics and a multi-touch direct mail campaign to support the email work that they're doing, there's, they've seen a 150% increase in response to that existing win-back campaign. Wow. By touching them continually through another channel, they're resurrecting old customers, bringing them back, and then they're engaging digitally again. Yeah. So they can use direct mail to re-engage. And then when they do stop the more expensive channel, because direct mail costs more per piece sure. than an email, exactly. continue to engage on email. And then, you know, if they start to fall off a little bit, bring it back. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. It's like almost, it's almost too simple to be true. <laughs> Everybody is sort of kind of ditching it. It's like, okay, that's, that's the old part. Now it starts to become yeah, that bland that suddenly starts to make sense again. So, I mean, when you started the company in September 17, what sparked the idea? What were you doing? Where, were, where did you say, and now time is, now it's time to do it? Yeah, well, Postalytics is really an evolution of another software company effort. So my, my partner and I started a company called Boynet in yeah. 2013. Okay. And Boynet 
is a piece of software that's designed to sell to direct mail agencies, direct mail printers, and to brands. And it's designed to help them measure the online response to direct mail campaigns. And so we had built the software and we sold it very successfully out on the market for a few years. But we were very frustrated because, A, it turned into a very services-centric business. And so we had to, you know, spend a lot of time helping clients build this stuff out. And then the people that are that we were selling to were maybe not the most technology centric in their worldview. While at the same time, we started having some brands come to us and say, Hey, you know, I just invested in Salesforce. You guys are living in this kind of hybrid between digital and direct. Can you help us deploy direct mail more efficiently, more quickly as a part of our Salesforce, as a part of our HubSpot? And it took a few of those conversations for us to realize, you know what? There's a bigger opportunity out here. to take some of this measurement and analytic work that we've done and to solve a problem that is, you know, far more pervasive and has a much bigger scope. And so we really, that was happening in 2015 and 16, and we spent about a year just heads down building Postalytics. And now Postalytics is our primary focus as a company. Yeah, you go you go to a completely different market as well, from agencies to to actually the direct customers behind behind it. So that market becomes and the value I think is also a different thing where agencies maybe are more focused on the cost of it, they are more focused on the on the upside of it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And by focusing on organizations that have, have embedded CRM and marketing automation and CDP already, they have a marketing tech stack. Yeah. We're selling something to them that complements their existing investment. Exactly. Opposed to something, you know, that is more abstract and hard to get your head head around. Yeah, exactly. So in that in that year 2016 that that you took to to start building postalytics, what did you do different or specific to to make it a product that people start talking about to deliver remarkable value as I normally call it? So I think that the ability for us to focus our message around those three principles that I highlighted in the beginning and to focus on a market segment that is not necessarily obvious to people who have been in the direct mail world, that the kind of the upper end of the SMB through the mid-tier company that has aggressively adopted marketing technology could be a great target. And so, you know, it was our interactions with those clients that really led us to believe that. And so our ability to really hone our message and hone our product for that specific audience was really the thing that helped has helped us grow. Yeah. You know, the number of companies out there that are investing in these tools is growing rapidly. And so there's, there's tailwind there already, right? There's, there are more companies adopting HubSpot. There are more companies adopting. And so, so we're selling into a market that is growing by itself. And so that has really allowed us to accelerate the growth of the company. 
Yeah, it's interesting. It's music to my ears, by the way, that you've, it's about focus messaging and that it's something that is not for everybody. I mean, you're talking about a, a not obvious segment versus something to go for something that is obvious. Clarification, why was it a deliberate choice of you to go for a non-obvious segment in the market? Yeah, I think I know well, the answer, but I just wanted to have it to tease it out. Well, I think that, you know, our first product, we were selling to the obvious audience, right? To, to very high volume direct mailers, the existing direct mail ecosystem. And what we learned was that it is far more effective to really narrow your vision, narrow your product focus. So they're in sync on a sliver, but a fast growing sliver. Yeah. And so that's really what we've focused on doing. And it turned out to be a right, the right choice because you say it's just before the call, we had a, a little bit of a discussion. He said, we're self-funded and we're profitable. I mean, how many startups can say that after a <laughs> couple of years? So it makes sense. And it is possible to drive a profitable business, even if you're a startup. And of course, the, the investment come always before the harvesting, but it's happening. So it proves again that that strategy is the right one. What was a tough decision that you had to make early on that has now, yeah, that has been, yeah. maybe this was a tough decision. Uh, maybe, maybe there were other tough decisions you had to make. The toughest decision was really in that transition, that year of intense focus on building out the first version of Postalytics. We had to trim back our investment in the initial product, Boynet. Yeah. And so we had to reposition the business and we had to let go some people who were very, very good and were wonderful people to work with, very talented, and it was very hard to do. And so, you know, I think over time in business, you create relationships with people that hopefully go beyond the, you know, time that you work together and to announce to people that, you know, our relationship had to end it was a very difficult thing. Of course. And yeah. so, you know, that, that was clearly the most challenging thing. I think that, you know, in the time since then, we are constantly being tempted to try to do more and to expand kind of our vision, try to sell to the enterprise, yeah. right? Try to create features that match up with every single traditional direct mail function. And so that is the day-to-day -day challenge that we face exactly. yeah. of saying, learning what to say yes and what to say no about yeah. how broad we, we think and how many people we are trying to serve with our product. Yeah, it's so easy to go too broad and then at the end, please nobody. And I think you made some right wise choices there to go super niche, dominate there first, and then potentially go from there, right. which is a lot more fun to do, by the way. <laughs> but I mean, I also realize, of course, that yeah, yeah, sometimes you don't get it right. So it's about pivoting as well. But yeah, it's interesting. So in the process of yeah, releasing and then that's the starting to sell, I mean, I'm always interested to understand like what helps you to create momentum. When did you suddenly see a, yeah, the, the famous hockey stick, the breakthrough moment, the tipping point, as they call it? Well, I, I, that, that's a great, great question. And I think that there was a decision that we made prior to launch that we would 
focus initially on building out an integration with HubSpot and to aggressively participate in the relatively new and fast-growing HubSpot partner program. Mm -hmm. And I have to say that the folks at HubSpot have been tremendous. We were bringing something new to their ecosystem. They've embraced it. They've been a, a pleasure to work with as a partner, both from a technology product standpoint, as well as a marketing standpoint. And we made the decision to purchase a display at inbound 17 before we launched and it really sp spent a lot of money that was not coming in at that time <laughs> can imagine yeah to try to really make an announcement to the hubspot world about what we are and yeah. who we are serving and that has paid off it has paid off tremendously and so you know that really allowed us to land in the market with some momentum yep. and some buzz within it, within that specific community. Let me make a small interruption here. Dennis just made a critical remark about their approach to go to market. Instead of going broad, they decided to go specific, i.e. highly targeted, focused only on the HubSpot community, targeting a very specific problem. And that paid off tremendously and triggering their momentum. It's a typical trait remarkable software companies master. They realized that by trying to please everyone, they please no one. And by going in sniper-focused, we can resonate around a highly specific problem, hit the right nerve, and with that, grow the perceived value of our solution and grow desire. And you can master these traits as well. I have two options for you to start. First, read or listen to my book, The Remarkable Effect. And you can find that on Amazon.com. Secondly, get into action right away and surround yourself by a group of like-minded people, tech founders and CEOs that will help you remove your blind spots, explore new paths and sharpen your thinking. How? Just visit valueinspiration.com and see the videos where many of your peers share their experiences with our tribe and what they've come to value most. Back to the interview. Exactly. That's, that's an important thing to kind of start, well, to spark the fire and then have a community to take it on, to see it and to adopt it. Did you do any specific things in order for people to or to make, for example, the onboarding faster, easier? Because sometimes, of course, you know, talking about enterprise deals, these can take months, etc. Yeah, yeah. So one of the keys to our strategy is that we have adopted a product-led growth uh -huh. concept. And so we've created a free version of Postalytics, fully functional. Well that enables you to build direct mail campaigns, to send direct mail, to measure your direct mail, and to integrate your direct mail with your CRM. And you don't have to speak to a person. You can do it entirely wow. through the software. Yeah. Hands off. And so that helps. Yeah. That, that has, has created a, a sales process for us that enables us to focus on people that are pretty far down in a decision-making process. Yeah, true. And so yeah, we have an inside yeah. sales team that will, will focus on adding value to clients who are likely to become subscription customers. And so 
our sales process is really a part of an onboarding process. And that's the way we think of it. Yeah, true. And, and so that, that has been a key development for us. Yeah, that's an interesting thing because at the end, if a sales process ter- turns into an onboarding process, you gotta, yeah, you start already with a different mindset with the customer and it's just helping them to get to success and they will, uh, they will just see that and then say, okay, yeah, why not? I've, I've recently had the CEO of Exceed on my podcast, Elon Kazan, who also says, you know, the moment we see a customer, we see that the chance of the, the customer closing is, is high. We just, we give them the version, we do the project, we give them a, support, a customer success person, and that does the rest. Even though there might not be ROI yet, but yeah, the yes is coming very easy. You know, and I believe, I believe this very deeply that most of us want to be self-serve. Most marketers, most people, and it's becoming more and more over time, want to self-serve. And if you can create a way for them to do so, to to be be a self-serve the majority of the way and to require a little bit of assistance here or there, you know, that is how most people want to interact with their software. I totally agree with you. I mean, why would things have to be complex? I mean, we typically that, that mindset is on the, on the vendor side saying, okay, well, we have this, this big solution that does all of these things. And of course, it needs to be implemented. You know, what if you would make it self-serve? Yeah, exactly. Interesting thing to ponder about. And you see it's, it's, it's working. In that whole process, what has been... Yeah, I mean, what has been your biggest business regret or what would you do different next time? Is there any learning that you say, hey? I would have made the transition from Boynet to Postalytics earlier. Okay. Maybe two years earlier. So what kept you, what holds you back then? What, what, what kept you thinking? Well, often when at least perhaps this is a, a self-analysis, I will often be so focused on execution of my goals and focus on driving things forward that the opportunity to take a step back and say, what are we doing? Are we even on the right mission is a hard thing to do. Yeah. And so I wish that I had a little more sensitivity earlier about the challenges that became apparent in the first iteration, right? And then aggressively made a move, right? Yeah. And so I've learned this in several businesses that often killing something early is often the best move. Yeah. That, that it's when, so hard to do. And it doesn't feel easy. No. And it doesn't feel natural. That it feels like you're jamming, you're forcing, yeah. right? That should be your, your sign. That should be the signal to you to say, you know what? You felt this before. You know when something is easy to sell and it just goes, right? And, and it's easy to implement. And, and that was really, I guess, our vision of what we truly wanted was a self-service software business and not a services, a professional services type of business. Yeah, true. And, and it really reconciling that earlier, and making that decision would have been it. Yeah, I see that so often. We fall in love with what we have, the baby, you know, you want to make it succeed. Yeah, it's the law of 
what's the word for it? It's the investment that you made. It's the sunk investment. Yes. But at the end, you know, nothing will happen. The sunk investment is already there. Like what is, what is the next big thing? What is best for your company at the end? And that's, it's really hard, but it's, again, it's another proof of why we should do it more often and be more honest with, with ourselves. I see that a lot of the people on the tribe that I talk with, we have a masterminds. These type of decisions come up super, super, super often. So what are you most proud of achieving so far with the business? What are anecdotes from your customers that you keep talking about? I in particular love to spend time with customers on the product. And that's simply, you know, something that I gain great satisfaction from working with customers to help understand their, their initial use of Postalytics and then helping them to think through all the ways that it could assist in their overall marketing infrastructure. And so, you know, I think that the thing that I gain the most satisfaction from and I'm most proud of is that we've got customers that have been coming back year after year now that were maybe the people that we saw at inbound 2017, right? Those early HubSpot customers, they're still using the software and they're using it effectively at various levels, you know, there we have some, some customers that are really using it extensively and others that have been using it lightly over the years. And, you know, that they're finding value over a long period of time and that we've created something that is easy for them to use, easy for them to understand, and that they are, you know, helping to achieve their vision for their businesses. And that's really what we are. We we are have created a tool that helps a marketer, helps a business person to communicate their message in an effective way. Yeah. And so, you know, for that, we're very proud. I can imagine. That's what you do it for. And if that's happening, that will give you the energy to keep going and to always be one step ahead of them. So, I mean, you've been... You've, you said you've, this is your sixth startup. So this is a fantastic question to almost end with. I wrote a book, The Remarkable Effect, which is about the 10 traits that, that defines remarkable software businesses. So I'm always interested to ask yeah, the people on my podcast, what do they believe are traits that you need to have in order to create a software business that people talk about? So, so what, what do you believe is, is, an, is an essential trait to have? I think that the core of any software business is the product. And I think that when the product has influences from both a product management and a development perspective, the core team that builds that first product, that if they truly understand the problems they're trying to solve and, you know, understand it at a, instinctual level. Very good. Not not in a way that where they've read it in a book or they've, you know, went to a conference and they learned, oh, there's a problem. I can solve that. But they've experienced, they've spent time really absorbing those problems. You know, in my experience, those have been the best software companies that I've been a part of. Exactly. We often think we know the product, the problem, but we don't no, it in, like you say, intent. We haven't lived it. Yes. And that's, yes. That is often five levels more deep and 
maybe left to the left or to the right, but in a different direction. Yeah, it, it, it enables you in those first core elements of the product to build things that don't have to be taught and are often ahead of the market. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Because you've got these people, these engineers are so wonderful. And, you know, when they really understand the business problem, when an engineer understands the business problem at a core deep level, then they build things naturally that customers will want eventually. Exactly. Yeah. Spot on. It's a full chapter in my book or well, possibly a couple, couple together. We are aligned here. So last question, well, almost last. From all the lessons that you learned starting businesses, exiting or moving them on, what is a, a key lesson that you learned or that, you've, that, you, that someone advised you or tidbit of wisdom that you created that you would like to share with other tech entrepreneurs that are on a mission as well? So the thing that I try to remain consistent about whenever I'm involved in a startup is something that I learned after doing a few, which is that the goal of building a startup should be to build a great business. And if you build a great business, there will be all sorts of options for you to create monetary reward around that great business. So rather than thinking, well, here's my exit strategy, here's my exit plan. I'm focused on building a great product that people want, that has great customers that are happy with and built and supported by great employees who love what they do. And if you have those three things, a great product, great customers, great employees, then you will be successful. And if you're not successful, one of those three things is probably wrong. And so, you know, if you stay heads down, build a great business with those three attributes, there will be all sorts of ability to have a good financial outcome for many people. Exactly. If you want so. Yeah. I completely agree. I'm humble that you're saying this because it's, it's, it's wisdom that so many still don't get. <laughs> and that's why, why it goes wrong. The exit is too, too early inside and so on. Okay, we're nearing the bottom of the hour here on this side of the world. So what is next for you? Where do you want to take Postalytics in the next 12 to 18 months? Yeah, so we've been very focused on building out new capabilities within the product. And so we're very excited about adding things that complement those three principles that I mentioned before. And so we've just had a great new release of our software that enables us to do something we've never been able to do before that is very complementary to the core of the software. And we've got amazing, exciting plans for more integrations with more CRM and marketing automation tools. We've got some new ways, really exciting new ways to measure the way that people interact with direct mail. And so, you know, those things get me so fired up. And um, see that. Yeah, we're thrilled to be in a position to be able to add things like this over the course of 2021. And, you know, we know that 
if we continue to stick to our core principles and execute and deliver great support to customers, great product to customers, and try to find more employees to join the team that really are a great fit with us, we're going to continue to be successful. Very good. Well, congratulations on that and uh, good luck with the execution on that. I got no doubt this will work. So where can people go to find out more about Postalytics to understand how they can start to use a combination of direct marketing and digital marketing in their stack? Well, sure. We've got a ton of resources at postalytics.com. We've got great case studies, a great YouTube library. We're also very active on Twitter. And so folks can follow our Twitter feed there. And we love to talk to people. Despite the fact we're a self-serve tool, (laughs) we actually do want to talk to you. So please feel free to reach out through the chat on our website, through, you know, contact forms, email, whatever. We do want to talk with anybody that, you know, is interested in exploring this idea because, you know, we are still learning every single day. And every time I talk to somebody, I can learn something from them. So I'm very good mindset, attitude, exactly. And people to connect with you and say hi, LinkedIn? LinkedIn is great. You can also hit me up at dennis at postalytics.com. Very good. Well, thank you very much, Dennis. This was inspiring. I got some, some cool ideas from this as well. And I like the way your mindset in terms of how you grow the business, how you start a business, your reflective capabilities about what to do and to keep sharp on that. So I think there's a lot of learn, a lot of key takeaways from here for us to learn from. Thanks very much. I've I've greatly enjoyed speaking with you here today, and and you know I'm excited to read your book. I've ordered it, and I'll be looking forward to diving in here over the next few weeks. Well, thank you very much, and glad to hear that you bought a copy of my book. You won't be disappointed. Thank you. And this ends my conversation with Dennis. I hope you enjoyed it, and if so, please leave a review on iTunes. And if it inspired you. Please share it with other tech entrepreneurs on a mission that you have in your network. Other than that, thank you for tuning in to this podcast. I had the honor to speak to Dennis Kelly, CEO of Postalytics. As said, the goal that I have in this podcast is twofold. Firstly, to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. And secondly, share experiences from tech entrepreneurs like you about what is required to create a remarkable software business and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. Before I close, I have two more comments to make. If you know other tech entrepreneurs on a mission that have a story worth sharing, please send me an email at ton.dobby at valueinspiration.com. Building the momentum all starts with revealing the ideas. And that starts with you. And if you want to know more about my book or you're interested in joining the Remarkable Effect tribe, please visit my website at www.valueinspiration.com. Thanks for tuning in. And you could do me a big favor by rating the podcast on iTunes or provide me with your feedback directly. I'll see you shortly on a new episode. That's what 
ransomware is all about is psychological pressure. Ransomware, when your computer's hacked into and your data held ransom. Attacks are on the rise, and Russian gangs are making billions of dollars. The moment I got that message, I knew our greatest fears that we ever have are starting to come true. The post-Cold War era is over. Dot com, the hacking. A new season from Crowd Network with me, Katie Puckrick. Just search for dot com, that's D-O-T-C-O-M, and subscribe.